Welcome to Therapists Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real-life matters. Welcome back to Therapists Uncensored. We are here together in the studio, Patty Allwell and Kelly Sue Marriott, and let's get to it. The three words, can we talk? Oh, send shivers down your spine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That, the most threatening words in the English language. (laughs) So we're going to talk about how to make those three words less threatening. So, um, but when somebody says, can we talk, and you're there and you're going to listen, recognize even what your body just did when I said that. And there's actually a paper on this, um, I want to say Stephen Mitchell, but I'm not positive, out of the Stone Center, wrote in particular about male relational dread, that men in particular, when uh, their significant other come to them and have that, you know, uh, honey, we need to talk, (laughs) (laughs) that it's deer in the headlights frozen. um, Eye roll. Oh, my God. Now what? Yes. Yeah. so he, he specifically articulated that, but certainly it's not gender bound. No, <laughs> definitely not. I think we've all experienced it. And then how do you make it go well, right? Because if, you, if, you, if your body goes into dread and going, oh my God, how do you make it go well? And then let's just add in that whoever's saying this, you have also this long history with them that those words have not gone so well. They lead down some rabbit hole. Then you've already got a response where your body's not so ready to be open. So one of the things I want to talk about is how to connect um, those three words to something that actually becomes worthwhile. Like, ah, okay, this is not bad. I can do this. And, you know, actually I'm thinking about the can we talk, it it seems like it almost, it's a V. It's like either I can also imagine it opening my heart and being like, of course we can talk. Right, it almost depends on how it strikes you and mm-hmm. and the tone in which it's coming and who it is that's saying it. So there's that, mm-hmm. but then there's the we need to talk. I don't know, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> right. There's then that other category that, that this is what you're. This is actually what the category that you're talking about. It's the can we talk and it, that creates that relational dread um, that doesn't open up your heart and it's. I don't know. Um, it's probably it, it probably it doesn't come with vulnerability, so it's not turning on the vulnerability of the other person. Um, it's not unfo- it's not two people unfolding, but somebody's got something to say that I need to hear, and back of my brain goes. You know? <laughs> well, and I also think the person who wants to talk probably comes with a nervous system that's either scared that their partner's not going to listen, angry that what they have to say is really, you know, a complaint. And so it's not just one nervous system going crazy. You've got neuroception happening. Yes, exactly. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, They may have waited a little too long to talk. Yes. And sometimes you do think you're open. The other thing is, somebody's saying, we talk, yeah, sure. And you think you're open and you think you're doing this amazing job listening. And then all of a sudden, your partner's face starts squinching up and feeling really frustrated and getting elevated. And um, actually, one of my most, I don't know if we've named this on the podcast, I think one of my most favorite YouTube videos is Nail in the Head. So if you've not seen this, stop now. 
and go listen because it is. And then this whole conversation will make much more sense to you. And we'll make sure we put it in the references below <laughs> or resources below. So also, partly because our body to just take one minute of neuro, neuro nerd and then we're going to go actually to sports, which will be a lot more fun. But um, our body as listeners, we're really not trained evolutionary to, to be listeners because there's an immediate feeling in our body when we are listening. It can be. We're susceptible to feeling a little subordinate. And the talker maintains the power role. So if someone's talking and you're listening, tune into your body sometimes that you are already can feel in a subordinate role, which then activates a defense. So how often are you listening? And the entire time you're listening, you're actually getting antsed up and ready to talk because you, being silent for a period of time is anxiety producing of itself. Do you guys relate to that? That is a great, great point. I've been listening to, you know, Krista Tibbet has been on these podcast circuit and she talks a lot about the art of listening, of course, because that's what she does. And it's so beautiful to hear her talk about, like, uh, they talk about you can hear her listening. Mm. Oh, what a lovely phrase. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. And um, and she talks about exactly what you're saying, that, um, but not from a neuro- neurological standpoint, but more that we've just um, uh, lost the art, of, mm-hmm. and that it does have to do with power. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're in a power under, then you're really waiting to reestablish your your point or what have mm-hmm. you. Versus that if it is truly a shared dialogue, that you can wait and listen and take in because you're going to get your turn and it's going to come back to you, and that there's safety. That's yeah, I love the way you're saying that. And uh, and the listening, we think of listening as passive. And what you're saying is when we think of listening as actually an incredibly active role, then your body already is in a position um, to, to absorb. And how I like to think about it in a visual place, just to bring the listeners into their own body, is to think about the difference between two sports, ping pong and catch. And uh, if we think about ping pong, that's the state we're talking about that we're comment often in when somebody says, can we talk? Uh, your body goes tense. You're ready. I don't, I don't know. I suck at ping pong. I don't know you guys. So if you're out there <laughs> and you're an amazing ping pong player, this analogy may not work for you because you may walk up and you're relaxed and you're ready to go. But for me, I pick up a ping pong and I play with anybody that I've ever played with. It's an anxiety producing, like your body's kind of tense, you feel your heart rate going up. And the important thing about ping pong is that you're you're in a constant reactive place. The minute the ball comes at you, you're ready to hit it back. Slam. Slam. <laughs> so it comes, you hit, it comes, you hit. And you don't stop to reflect. Not much on yourself. But there's a lot of conversations that go like that, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly the feeling as you hit it. It's a competition too. Yeah, you're right, Patty. It's like you if you think about it in ping pong, one of the instincts you do is you start counting. Right? You start thinking how many you know, how many can I hit? And you want to slam your opponent. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, you have a, a, a place of time. You're not looking for your opponent's eyes. You're not thinking about your own body and how tense it is. You're not, it's just, you're in a completely reactive mode. And we stop to think about communication. Think how often it begins. So you're listening to your, your person tell you something. And the minute they're telling you something, of course, because it's not accurate, right? You're going, that's not right. 
that's not what happened. <laughs> right. And half the time you get the first sentence out that has nothing to do with what you're wanting to say. And somebody's saying, well, that wasn't Thursday. It was Wednesday. It's like, <laughs> but that is so behind the, beside the point. <laughs> I've never had one of these conversations, obviously. <laughs> well, because the brain is an anticipation machine. And so if we're anticipating where the person is going to go and then, you know, I've already, I've already, you know, pinged the ball back over the court. So, yeah. So for those of us that have ever played ping pong, we can really relate to what we're talking about with the body. But let's, again, let's talk about how that, how our experiences feel like that when we're talking. And that's the, as, and you can feel your body when somebody's talking and instead you're mounting your contrast. Sometimes people do it verbally and say, hey, wait, like what you were mentioning, Patty. Um, sometimes we do it not when we're fighting. So, Anne, is that ping pong conversation very satisfying? So, most of us don't find less, of course, we like competition. <laughs> but most of us don't find it very satisfying because if you think about it in ping pong, we just described how tense our body is. And we might even be aware of it, but we're not relaxed. And we were talking about listening being um, an active place. And we don't mean active. Let's talk about the difference between active and reactive. Uh, ping pong is very reactive, uh-huh. right? You're, you are responding, but you're reacting to how fast the ball comes and what position you should be at. And you're ready and alert, but you're reacting and you um, are responding quite quickly and not typically very reflectively. Yeah, your return is the important thing. Right. Not what's coming towards you. It's how do I make How quickly do I get it back and how proficiently, yeah. Right. So uh, for those of you who are really bugged by metaphor, <laughs> let's just bring this into reality. So some of what we're talking about is people who are just waiting for the other person to be quiet so they can say what they're thinking. Um, and, um, you know, just uh, kind of doing the fast um, or, or while the other person's talking, they're coming up with their response. Yeah, they're sort of building their case in their head while they're, the other person is talking to them. They're right. not really listening. Right. So that's that's the gist of the of the ping pong metaphor. Is that right? Yes. And as opposed to what? So as opposed to most of us have played catch, even if we're not very good at it. You can. So I want you to visualize. I was wanting you to visualize the ping pong. Now let's visualize walking out with our partner about to play catch. Think about how different your body feels. Think about how much, how it feels collaborative. And what's the goal of catch? To catch. (laughs) (laughs) To receive. (laughs) To receive, right? And it's even the most satisfying part. And if you think about it. you want the other person to catch it. Yeah, the whole goal. And you think about it when that ball hits the glove and you hear the slam, you know, it, I don't know, it's it's a really satisfying feeling. The catch is really satisfying. Right. And and you're very aware of the person throwing the ball because you have to be and you have to track the ball and you have to move your body to receive the ball. And it's about the catch. And then once it's, you have to completely catch it before you can throw it back. So if you're about to toss it back, if you don't have a satisfying catch, it's going to really, really not be the kind of game. And how many of us go out there, there are probably some, keep count when you're playing catch. You just don't ever think about it. That's really true. And I think about how often one person is playing catch and one person is playing ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) 
Although not for long. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, usually the person playing catch is going to go go on and go inside. <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> this is not fun. And then the ping pong player is going to go, yes, I won. <laughs> and they won't really realize that they didn't win at all. <laughs> the person who's put their paddle down is long gone. <laughs> yeah. That is not a win. Yeah. We're, we're informing you. This is news from Therapist Uncensored. <laughs> when, when your ping pong player disappears and goes inside, that is not a win. <laughs> well, I think, I think your point is really how collaborative catch is. You know, you want to get your ball to the receiver and you really are invested in them succeeding in catching the ball. And Vice versa. Right. And again, going back to the part of listening, being very active, when you're receiving, you're very much a part of that equation and you feel really important, right? Because it's not so much fun to play catch if you throw to somebody and they just let it go by, right? So you're really part, it's an active part of being in the game together. Well, I love this because there's also, you know, so much that comes from this. Like you can also, there's soft throws that are Mm -hmm. easy to catch, um, or you might think you're playing catch, but you're throwing really hard at the person, mm-hmm. which then is going to evoke a harder throw back. So there's even, there's even once we're playing catch, there's this notion of softly, you know, like cooperatively playing catch and making sure that your ball, you know, that your, your throw is soft. Like, so again, translating this, that, um, that what I, ha- that I'm not going to give you an essay of what I'm thinking. That's not a throw. Right. I'll give you a sentence or two or a bullet point of some ideas I have and let you catch that. Right. And give you time to respond and throw Mm -hmm. something back to me. And then I respond to what you threw back to me, not to my next bullet point. And then as we're ready, then I get to do my next bullet point if you're still playing catch with me, if that went well. That that's what kind of a, a successful game of catch might look like. But you right. have to, what you're saying, Susie, is that you have to stay attuned whether either way. That's right. Yeah, if, if you're the, the talker and you're not attuned to the person catching you, it's really not going to go well. That's right. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer when you have a whole essay that you really want to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a bummer, actually, because to feel heard in right. this way that we're talking about, it's better to be heard on your two, point, two, two sentences of the whole essay is much a deeper of experience and more bonding and better for both of you than, again, to end your monologue and have no one standing there and hear crickets. Right. Um, well, exa- oftentimes we think it's the, the message that we're sending that's the most important, and it's really how we're sending it and how we connect. And that's what we started off by saying, like, one of the most common difficulties people say we don't feel connected or we have communication issues because we can't listen to each other. And really, one aspect of deepening the conversation can change the entire relationship. And so, so we can, I want to talk about some skills to do it so that we're not just talking about it from a metaphor perspective. And before we do that, this might be a good time to stop for just a moment to thank our sponsor. Let's pause to thank our sponsor, Leslie University Mental Health Counseling Programs, where you can help others transform their lives with creativity and compassion. You can apply a social justice lens to mental health care and achieve your own goals through their master's and PhD programs. Online at leslie.edu slash mental dash health. Now let's return to our podcast. Okay, we're back. We're picking up on some of the skills and how to use these things that we're talking about in real life. Well, one is to actually use this meta, this uh, 
an analogy of catch in your own mind to like kind of think about getting yourself in a position. But something you just said, Sue, is really important. And that is if you want to talk to somebody, really make sure that they're ready to receive. And that in and of themselves could be the difference. Because sometimes we walk up and just because we're in the mood to talk, that doesn't mean that other person is is ready to listen. And um, Harville Hendricks gave a great example. And that is we each are running a movie in their own head. And when you walk up to talk, and your your person you're going to talk to isn't ready. It's like you're inserting your movie. You just cut their movie off and shoved your movie right in front of their face and expect them to be, oh, I'm so excited to see this piece. <laughs> you just changed my channel. <laughs> you just changed my <laughs> So the, the idea of first asking if somebody's ready, but I really want to talk about some real skills of what happens to be a good catcher. And and I think that is a lot of your expertise, Patty, is body awareness uh-huh. at the time, being aware of your own self as the listener, that as we talked about the, the ping pong, you can tell that your body's tense, but being aware of your body, getting anxious to interrupt, getting aware, and just taking a moment to reflect on your body. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's really about, you know, if you find yourself clenching up, whether it's your fists, your chest, you know, some constriction, just start breathing into that part of the body. Just relax that part of the body and don't don't go to your head. Don't don't ask yourself why am I responding this way? At this moment, just allow whatever whatever you're feeling to just sort of flow through you and notice it. But don't let it take you away from whoever you're talking to, and unless the unless the things you're hearing are threatening, in which case that's a totally different discussion. Well, and if they are, to develop an ability to go, whoa, 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 I'm feeling a little overwhelmed is one of the most important things to say. Can we slow down instead of ping-ponging back? So the, the way a ping-pong would be, you're wrong, that's not how it happened, or it would be a rush. And... Uh, the catch again is that you're going to be kind of really aware of your own body and whether you are receiving. And I think, I think one of the hardest things, truthfully, for real, like we're sitting out there in an audience listening, like, oh God, you don't know my partner or you don't know my whatever, because if I let them keep talking, they're never going to stop. <laughs> and if, if I let them make all their points, they're going to think they're right or I'm going to lose my thoughts. That's the most common thing. Well, if I don't interrupt, then they're not going to realize that they went off in the first sentence. And now their 20th sentence doesn't make any sense because their first sentence was off and I didn't stop them. Is that y'all's experience? Well, I I certainly have had conversations like that, but I think that's a place if the conversation, if the person who is tossing is, you know, going on with 27 points, then that's not really going to be helpful. It's like, hey, can we pause and... I'd like to respond to some of the things you've said, you know, just sort mm-hmm. of making it collaborative again. Absolutely. And I can't tell you how often I can see this just in my office where two people are having such a hard time about making a decision or, or getting a point through and they've been going back and forth and back and forth. And usually it's the same problem they've had for years. And when you stop and just let it go one way until the person really runs their motor down, like... In other words, the catch is really solidly. And I'd say my three, three favorite words is tell me more. Mm-hmm. Like, well, tell me more. And it's not easy to do. We could all think we are going to be able to easily do this, but it's not because 
especially when you have a long history of a particular topic, your body gets more and more tense and you just almost can't receive. But if we listen to one another and we say, tell me more and like, did I get this? Till the person completely runs out, um, so often that in and of itself is going to be the resolution to most of what's going on. You know, John Gottman has a little exercise he has couples do that I I use a lot when people can't stop the ping pong. They're so activated by what their partner is saying. And the exercise is to literally give a notebook to one, to the receiver and then have the other person talk about what their their conflict is for like three minutes. Just let them go. Mm-hmm. And the the task of the person with the notebook is to really listen. If they can't remember everything, take some notes. And then when they're done, repeat back to the person who was talking what they said and then ask, did I get everything? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's wonderful because you cannot do that and be putting your case together in your head. You really are, you know, forced to listen because you're going to be expected to repeat it back. <laughs> yeah, and I think the only way that this actually works is if what we talked about earlier about this notion of safety and that if they know the listener knows that they're going to get their turn. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And so we're going to go all the way to one side and let me really see this problem from your perspective and it doesn't mean I'm agreeing with you, but I really want to understand what you're saying. And um, I want to really go all the way over, see it from here. And then we're going to both go all the way over and see it from my perspective. Right. And, and that that exercise has the reverse right. at right. the end. And so then we go all the way over and see it. And then typically, instead of this further polarizing, 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 you know, it, that alone brings folks together tremendously. Yeah, it's a really amazing thing to watch that happen. And because usually what is making us be reactive is something that's feeling threatening. And when that threat comes down and you know you're going to be heard, and what I like to call it is also getting the dilemma between you. I think we've mentioned that before in that way, because it doesn't mean that that solves everything. You're still going to have different opinions. But when you're when you're able to really, really, so what I hear you saying is, and this makes you upset because... And in showing empathy, I could really see from your perspective how hard that would be. Like, I really get it. Then you get to go, the the idea of getting the dilemma between the two persons. So what you're thinking and wanting is this, and your partner is able to go, or your parent, and what you're thinking is this, and getting the dilemma, the sacred space between the two people, getting the dilemma between us, knowing that we're just as invested in both people getting what they need because if there's not a win unless both people get in the middle and they both feel positive about it. Otherwise, you walk around. It doesn't matter what you end up doing in the decision. If you leave office it feeling like a threat, one person got what they wanted, the other person didn't, that's never going to bode well. And so to translate this, you know, we often talk about this isn't just for couples, but it, it, a memory just came to me, a parenting example of this um, same concept. Um, and we're talking about catching, right? So we'll start with me not catching, and then it moves to me catching, which is I was trying to get my son at the time, was very young, to go to bed and to stay in bed, and he kept popping up and saying that there were monsters and things like this, and I'm, there's no monsters, you know, and I, I would spray monster spray and do some things that we used to do to get him to go to bed and go to sleep. And But for one night, he was particularly, um, would not... And he slept on the floor underneath his bunk bed. 
And I moved from ping-ponging, like, no, it's not, it's fine, everything's fine, let's go to bed, you know, to um, catching when I shifted into, I laid down with them, and I was really like, what is he, like, I became curious, what is he um, seeing? Or like, let me see these monsters, you know? And I laid there with them, and I started looking all around the room, and there were these super creepy shadows. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, I really got into, like, this is scary as crap. <laughs> and I look at them, I'm like, it is really scary in here. <laughs> so because there was, like, it was the way the light was falling. And sure. I think something had moved, and so the shadow was different. And... Um, so that was a catch. And he's like, yeah. So together we were like, man, (laughs) how can you sleep in here? (laughs) Um, and so we moved some things around and we made it, you know, so, but that was the, it it came from, you know, out to in. Right. And so I caught, and then he slept like a baby, of course, in his own bed, you know, where he needed to be. Um, But it really was that literal shifting into that other space of seeing the other person's perspective. And it honestly, you can almost feel it inside mm-hmm. you when you move from that ping pong to the catch. You can feel and and both people can feel it. And it's because it wasn't really about solving the monsters. It was about going inside with his body mm-hmm. and joining him because part of what we talked about, what part makes ping pong threatening is that we don't feel seen and we don't feel joined and we feel very alone. And so when we're playing ping pong with anybody, we feel alone and that in and of itself just makes a disconnect. So when you just go, oh my God, it's so scary. His whole body goes, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Somebody gets me. And it's irrelevant about whether there's monsters or not. Obviously, well, obviously it's not completely irrelevant, but um, that joining, that catch. And that's one reason I love the analogy because it's, if you've ever played it and the ball's hit hard in your glove, you just feel so satisfied. Thunk. Yeah. And so I just love that story because your, your son just like, he just, he just melted. That's right. And that's right. And, and one thing to help us do that some, sometimes if it's hard to do it is that you're not agreeing. Yes. To join someone and to hear them and to catch their ball does not it does not equal I agree with what you're saying. No, uh, I just it, hear you. I hear you. I'm going to take in. I'm taking you in. I'm taking in your perspective. I care about your perspective. I'm, uh, you know, help, help. You know, tell me more. Help me understand. I'm not quite getting that um, because again, in your mind, you know that they're going to give you that same courtesy. Mm-hmm. And then, and you know, we talk a lot about slowing down. Mm-hmm. And so if this is slowed down to that pace and we can really do the all the way on one side and then all the way on the other side, you're going to save yourself thousands of dollars in couples therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and we, there are so many things that are unresolvable, you know, you, that, that it isn't really important who wins. It's important that you um, feel that it is collaborative and that you're heard right. and not that you win every time. My one last thought is to take this out of... You have as many thoughts. <laughs> this is really going to be the last... To take it even out of a conflict model. Yes. Right? Because this is not just about conflict. And this is about when your whole body feels like somebody across from you is this really just like you, just this listener, just really receiving how much more open our whole body feels. We started like, the most thing is I feel disconnected. I don't feel connected. And so this even happens when you're sitting with somebody and let's say they're telling you a story, right? 
and they mention something and the first fact is wrong or it reminds you, we tend to be like, somebody says, oh, I was in Italy and I had this great Merlot. And your response is, they don't have good Merlot in Italy. Or you, you, your response is to ping pong back your own reactions rather than really connecting that what they're wanting to do is to tell you about their awesome trip to Italy. And they're like, oh my God, tell me more, tell me about it. And really receive even the positive stuff because we kick back positive things you know, sometimes as often as we kick back negative, yeah. it's not just a defensive posture. It's our natural posture to want to join, but by reacting rather than receiving. And that active part of listening, like, oh my God, tell me about your trip. And really hearing it before you tell them about your trip is a, is a way of deepening the connection with your partner, with your child, et cetera. Yeah. I think the other part of it that we do that's more not conflict is... What do you want to do? Oh, I'd like to do this. Oh, not that. Oh, I'd like to do that. Not that. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And sort of batting away your partner's suggestions, you know? Right. Which I think happens a lot. It's not conflict. It's just, you know, not listening to what somebody else wants. So as we end, visualize in your body... Are that the concept of catch as you're talking, and even as you leave the conversation, go, did I really play catch or did I play ping pong? And just asking yourself that question when you go into a conversation and having those visual images hopefully can really make a difference. Yeah, I think it cues, cues us into slowing down and listening. Yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. All right. Thank so you. thanks for listening. Uh, one more thing before we sign off. We are going to be launching a very exciting uh, new segment to the program called Ask a Therapist. So we want to invite all of our listeners to submit questions. Um, and at the end of each podcast, we're going to be, we're going to try this out anyway. We're going to run it as an experiment. Um, and we are going to quickly come on and um, choose some of the questions and answer them very quickly on air. So um, get on our website and just send us any question. It can be quirky, can be serious, can be, um, and again, it's not therapy, of course, but we'll just um, pick out some of the jewels and answer those at the end of the podcast. So um, please get online and let us know. In the meantime, if you haven't yet, please subscribe. It's, it helps us a whole lot and rate and review our podcast. That's a very important thing for us. And... We will see you around the corner. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly, Hadi Alwell, and Sue Marriott. Becky Mendeville edits this podcast and provides technical support.